Amen. Isn't it amazing that Jesus walks with us, church? It is a very, very good thing. And we are grateful that he cares, and we are grateful that he walks with us and that he sees us. And we are grateful we're here this morning worshiping Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're, we're continuing in our series uh, today where we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount all year. It took us three months to get through Matthew chapter 5. It was awesome. And in the last three weeks, we've been going through the beginning of Matthew chapter 6 and doing a little mini-series here on private victory before public victory. And today we're going to be in Matthew 6, starting in verse 16, and we're talking about the rewarding life. Don't you want a rewarding life? Don't you want life to the full? Don't you want life that matters? And yet today we're talking about how you can get that in Jesus. But before we talk about the rewarding life, we got to talk about how Satan has lied to us and how he's deceived us into thinking where the reward actually comes from. You see, as a society, we are addicted to the approval of man. And as we go through this life looking for a reward, we think the main reward comes from other people. And we're addicted to it. I mean, for forever, mankind has always really cared about what other people think about them. And yet there's something about society today, psychologists are telling us, that is deeper than ever in how much approval we look to from our fellow man. And whether it's from the way that our, our consumeristic, materialistic society and capitalism has led us in the workplace to just have to prove ourselves and get our worth from work, or whether it's because of social media and how suddenly while our brains were only kind of meant to be in community and villages, suddenly I'm expected to have an opinion on everything in the world because I have access to everything in the world. And then when I step into social media, suddenly everyone else is allowed to tell me their opinions about me. And it's just creating something inside of us. And what ends up happening is we think that as long as we please others, we think we will be pleased with ourselves. Have you noticed that? Where as long as they approve of me, then I will approve of me. Well, as long as they give me the reward, well, then I think I am loved. And what that leads to is we start putting on these different masks. And then at work, we step in and I got to put my work mask on and I got to do and I got to perform and I got to look the best. And then I step into church and I got to put my church mask on. What's up, brother? How you Good to see you. Okay, that's exactly what you guys do, all right? You know, we, we know, we know that how to put that on, right? Then we step into our family or to our friends or onto the sports, wherever it is, and we start putting on all these different masks. And when you do that... Suddenly, your whole life is fake, and it's not authentic. Instead of being whole, instead of being full, and being able to take your whole authentic self into any and every situation, you start even wondering who you really are on the inside. And suddenly, the thought starts coming in, man, if they only knew who I actually was. If they just knew who I actually was, they would never love me. If my boss only knew what I actually was doing, then he wouldn't want me here. If my friends only knew what I was actually, you guys know what I'm talking about. This is the problem, my friends, where the world tells us the reward comes from here instead of from there. 
But Jesus gives us a different way. Jesus gives us another way to live, and that's where we're going to jump into. Well, before I do that, the, uh, the great theologian Michael Scott has something to say on this, right? Do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. Well, I have to be liked. But it's not like this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. You know, if, if anything defines us better in today's day and age, it's the theologian Michael Scott, right? Someone's taking a picture of that. You don't have to, I don't, you like taking pictures of slides. That one wasn't, anyways, there you go. Okay, so here we go. Let's jump into a better theologian than Michael Scott. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus gives us another way to live. Instead of that putting on mask and I'm splitting who I am at the soul level, trying to make up and please everybody else, what can this life actually be like? In Matthew 6, 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Uh, I love this passage right here. So um, last week we talked about prayer. This week, this passage is on fasting. You know, last week we had some good time, like in, in the service, splitting up and praying together. So I just thought I would call a 30-minute fast for us to fast together for 30 minutes. I don't know if you guys can handle that. No, no I'm not doing that. All right. But you're not supposed to eat in here, campus. <laughs> So Jesus says, when you fast, you know, it's interesting. He doesn't try to convince them that they need to fast. He doesn't try to inspire them about why they should fast. He doesn't teach them about what the really meaning is so that you see fasting matters. No, he expects them to fast. He expects and assumes that fasting is such a rhythmic part of their spiritual life that he doesn't have to convince them to do it. He can just make sure they're doing it the right way. And that's challenging to me. In today's day and age where I can get whatever type of food I want at any time I want, it is challenging for me to go, oh wow, like the times that I fast, like I fast with the church, I fast with the campus, but if I'm honest, I'm convicted by that because it's not rhythmic for me that I go through a personal situation and then respond by fasting. So church, let's have this heart of when you fast. But the truth is, this passage actually isn't about fasting. It, it's in the context of Matthew chapter 6 that we're about to go through, and it's about the rewarding life coming from our Father who is unseen rather than what's in front of us that is seen. And so let's rewind a little bit to Matthew chapter, the whole of Matthew chapter 6, because in context, Jesus is using a literary tool called Hebrew parallelism. And what Hebrew parallelism does is it repeats the same thing again and again and again to emphasize a point and to drive it home. So he starts in chapter 6, verse 1, by saying, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So that's his thesis of the beginning of Hebrew parallelism, as he's going to emphasize this point all about where your reward truly comes from. And then the next three sections, he's going to go through and do this kind of pattern of A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. So if you guys follow me, let's go through this together, all right? 
So he says, when you give in Matthew 6, 2, when you pray in Matthew 6, 5, and then when you fast in Matthew 6, 16. And those are the three spiritual tenets of that time that Michael Burns talked about that were always kind of expected if you're going to have a life with God. But let's see how this works together. So the next in 6.2, he says, do not announce it as the hypocrites do to be honored by others. They have received the reward in full. Then in 6.5, he says, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray to be seen by others. They have received the reward. In 6.16, do not look somber as the hypocrites do to show others they are fasting. They have received their reward in full. And so he's getting at the heart of the matter, right? And some of this I know we've talked about. We're trying to drive this point home as we finish out this mini-series. But he's saying, look, there's a way the world does it, gang. There's a way the world does it that wants everyone to see the best foot forward. And for everyone to see the good things, don't let them see the weaknesses, don't let them see the wrong things, put the best foot forward, even in the spiritual journey, do it all just so that other people can see. He says, there's a, but, and he says, there is a reward there, but it's limited. They've already received the full reward they'll ever get from man, but there's so much more they're not going to get. So he continues. He says, but for you, though, in 6.3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so your giving may be in secret. And in 6.6, he says, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, who is what? Unseen. And then in 6.17.18, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father, who is unseen. He says there's another way to live, where you don't live for the public. You live for the private between you and God. And out of the overflow of the private, private victory before public victory, then the public victory will come. You know, this verse in in chapter uh, 6, verse 3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It doesn't mean you're like, who am I giving to? I don't really know. Like, you know, what is he really getting at there? He says what he's really getting at is don't look for the approval of man. But also don't even look for the approval of self. Where I don't, my left hand isn't going to, to approve what my right hand is doing. And this is something that I think for us we, is where false humility can come into a lot. Where I'm building myself up internally, but then externally I'm just looking, I don't, I don't want to admit that I'm that good. And if you're, if you're in some kind of public Um, role or position at work, or you have a lifestyle that's around a lot of people, this is something you have to battle with. I know for me, this is one of the main tools that I use to not let the approval of man overtake my soul as someone who lives in the public sphere as a minister. Where there's things like uh, what I want to do in my flesh is I want to re-go over in my mind the best parts of my lesson. I really don't want to remember the bad parts, right? (laughs) I don't remember when everyone actually laughed at my joke, right? I I want to remember, I want to go over when I was in leadership and I got a ton of encouragement for it. And I want to, that's the stuff I want to fill my brain with. But I have to let, not let my left hand know what my right hand is doing. And I have to be content with God used me and to not only look for the approval of man to get the reward, but I even look for the approval of self as the main reward but to let God be the main reward. Amen? And then he closes out with the same um, 
sentence in chapter 6, verse 4. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 6, 6. Then your father who is done in secret will reward you. And then 6, 18. Read it with me. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do you see the parallelism here? A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. He's driving home this point. This is not really about giving to the needy. It's not really about praying. And it's not really about fasting. What is the point? The point is that a true rewarding life comes from a life of pleasing God, not a life of pleasing man. And that is not what this world believes. Have you realized that? That in this world, they say your worth comes from what you do at work and the acknowledgement of what you get at work. You're only as good as your performance and your production. So you can have one great quarter or one great year, but as soon as the bad quarter comes or as soon as the bad year comes, then suddenly you're not as valued. Or it comes from social media and how many likes am I getting and who's commenting and then how many friends do I have and what my influence is. And that's where I know that I'm loved, right? It's from people. And yet God says, no, that's not true. True reward, a reward that lasts, a reward that doesn't just come from the little bit of reward you get from your boss, your little bit of reward you get from your friend, a little bit of reward you get from social media. No, okay, that is a reward, but that's all you're going to get. True reward comes from up there. True reward comes from pleasing God. Amen, church? So, you know, for me, this is actually something I've had to battle with a lot in my life. And I naturally am a huge people pleaser. Like, man, way before I was a Christian, before I started following Jesus, was something ingrained in me that my worth came from other people. And I could, I honestly, in the world, I could care less what God thought about me. And so when I became a Christian, I had to learn some things. And God had to remold my hearts. And what is interesting, when God started calling me into ministry, there's this job hazard of being in ministry to do it for people and not for God. Because you get, whenever you're in leadership, you get a lot of encouragement, which we love to encourage other daily, amen? But we're not supposed to get our worth from that encouragement. And so God, all along the way, did things to mold my heart. And so even when I first went into ministry, um, I graduated from Georgia Tech. You know, I went to this prestigious engineering school. I wanted to be, you know, a multimillionaire. It's all this kind of stuff. And then God called me to ministry. And even though I went into tech as an atheist, I came out him calling me to ministry. God is awesome, right? He does, he does mysterious things. And then, um, but so the, uh, around that same time, within like a year, the Alberts and the McGurks and me all went into ministry at the same time. And Tom uh, came to me and he said, hey, bro, so we got five of you wanting to do ministry and we only can pay four. So would you be willing to go get a part-time job and we still have this role if you're willing to do it for free? And I wish in my heart I would have responded like Christ, right? Of course, whatever for the church, I'm willing to sacrifice anything. But man, I was funky in my heart. Why don't you ask Kendall to do that, right? Like, what? And so for me, for me, it was a, uh, and I didn't know in the moment, but that was the greatest thing that could have happened to me. To go get a part-time engineering job for three and a half years and to learn how to not get the approval and the recognition of man and live off of that, but to get it from God. 
And then all along the way, I wish I could had time to tell a lot of stories. God did it again and again and again. All these little things just to work on my heart. But two of the biggest ones were, um, so the two biggest like, uh, like guest speaker roles that I've been invited to, something in particular happened to both of those things. So one was to South Africa to do this international campus training program, and then one was this giant conference up in New England, and uh, it, was, it was my largest, largest speaking engagement. Anyways, at both of those things, um, when, when they called me to ask me to speak, for whatever the reason, both of them thought it was good to tell me, hey, you weren't our first choice. <laughs> and they said, we called our first choice. They said they couldn't. So now I'm on the phone with you. <laughs> and the second... So <laughs> And so the, the second, so the, that happened after the course of all these other things also. And then, and then the second one though, when the second one happened, uh, when he told me that, I laughed. Oh, I laughed. And I went, bro, can I tell you a journey God has been taking me on? And can I tell you how I actually love hearing that now because I know my soul needs it. And then we, he laughed too, like, well, I don't know why I thought I should tell you that, but I just, so guys, if you're ever in a role asking when somebody to be a guest speaker, the first choice doesn't work out, don't tell the second choice that it, or maybe it is good for them. I don't know, right? But man, God had to work on my hearts. Because for me, where my selfish uh, and arrogant and prideful nature wants to get the approval of man in my leadership. Where is it for you? Where is it for you where you look for the approval of man? Where you look to get your reward from people and not from God? You know, uh, over this journey, God's led me to a lot of scriptures. There's a lot of scriptures about this. And I want to go over three of them to talk about some lessons that I've learned. Is that cool with you guys? All right, so as we're talking about uh, a true rewarding life comes from a life of pleasing God, not a life of pleasing man, we're going to look at John 12. So in John 12, um, in verse 42, it says, Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than what? From praise from God. This is a scary passage. And this is what, when, when uh, Jesus says they have received their reward, this is the passage that I think about. Because they did get human praise in that moment. They, they did get the Pharisees to praise them that they stood over here with the Pharisees instead of over there of Jesus. Yet the reward stopped there. And Jesus says they missed out on everything that I could have given them. All the reward. He even says the praise from God. What does that even mean? That's kind of insane. Not like God bows down before us, but there is a reward, an acknowledgement, and a pr approval. I'm a proud of you, a love, a praise that comes from God. And he says that they got a reward from the Pharisees, but they missed out on so much more from God. At, at its best, it's short-lived. At its worst, it sends you to hell. So a life, what have I had to learn? A life living for the approval of God is greater than life, living life with the approval of man. It's so much better. It's so much more worth it to get the approval of God and live from there. Amen, church? Okay, number two. <clears throat> Galatians 1. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings 
or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul makes a distinction here that's very important for us to understand. He says, if I were still trying to please people, that would mean it would be impossible for me to be something else. He said, I would not be a servant of Christ. I could not be a servant of Christ. It would be impossible for me to be a pleaser of man and a pleaser of God. So what do we need to learn? You can please people or you can please God, but you cannot do both and be a follower of Jesus. Now, you might say, man, it's awesome when both work out that way, though, right? And that is awesome when I'm pleasing God and people like that I'm pleasing God. But the truth is, God, guys, this whole world is in a current going a direction. And they're please, we're pleasing ourselves and we're proving ourselves and we're getting worse and worse and worse. And God is calling whoever will listen, all who will come to me, to turn around and live for something else. And to, be, and to live by pleasing him, not this world. And you cannot do both and decide to follow Jesus. He calls us to be counterculture. Amen? Yeah. And then number three, <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 2. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority, instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Now, if we piece through this, right, first he says, we didn't come with impure motives or to trick you. No, we didn't come to come and put on one of those masks and to, 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 to separate ourselves between us. No, he says we came as one approved by God, looking to please God. And look what he says that led to down at the end of the passage. He said, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. What can we learn from this? Well, authentic and loving community flows from a life of seeking God's approval, not man's approval. Now, it's interesting how Satan lies to us, where he says, because all of us want to live in community, all of us want deep relationships, all of us want authentic, real relationships, right, right? Okay, okay. And how Satan lies to us is he says, well, the way you get community if you want those people to be your best friends, you have to please them. The way you get community is you got to get them to approve of you. The way you get community is you got to get them to like you. And that's how you form real community. But what ends up happening is when you do that, you put on a mask. And you, your mask is between you and them. And it becomes a fake relationship. Because that community actually ha is, is community with that mask, not with you. And so you can feel like you're around the people who you're supposed to feel closest to, but you can feel like you don't belong. Because it's really just the mask they're connected to and not your real soul that they're connected to. So Paul says, no, I, we, we took off the mask, bro. This is really who we are. We're really here only to please God. True community, true relationships are formed. Authentic community isn't formed by trying to please you. I actually can have authentic community with you when I'm first trying to please him. 
because I can take off all the masks. And when I come into that relationship, we actually have community with the depths of who we are, not just this mask I'm putting on. Does this make sense? And man, is that more true than just about anywhere else in the church? Where we feel like we have to play the parts. Where we feel like, man, I'm supposed to, I know how to play like a religious person. I know how to play the game. And we can live this life putting on a show of Christianity and missing out on the incredible community that God has in store for us. But if we're just willing to be authentic, starting in fellowship, hey, how are you doing, bro? To actually share how you're doing. One of my buddies, uh, Bradson Henry, <clears throat> back in the day at Tech, he would, he would go, hey, bro, how you doing? I go, I'm doing good, bro, how you doing? He said, no, 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 how you doing? Yeah, bro, I'm doing good, how you doing? No, 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 how you doing? Okay, fine, man, we stunk. Like, it's just, but we gotta be authentic. You guys following me? Okay, so here's what I want us to do. I want to call an approval of man fast, all right? An approval of man fast. Where this week, I want to, I want to ask you two questions and then call you to fast in that area. Is, does that make sense? Let's see what I mean by this. So first start with, what areas do you find yourself looking for the approval of man over the approval of God? So for me, it was leadership, right? What is it for you? Maybe it's in your workplace about having the persona, what other people think about you and knowing how you achieve this or you accomplish that. Maybe it's on social media and the likes and the comments. Maybe it's at church in your family group and whenever you're around that leader. What's the area, okay? One way to figure out what it is for you is asking this question. What moments in that area tempt you the most of insecurity and arrogance? Those things usually come when you're looking for the approval of man. When you feel insecure, when you feel arrogant, a lot of times that's, be, that, that's, that's your heart telling you you're, you're looking for approval down here instead of up there. So in that moment, when you get the, the praise at work that you were looking for, you might feel, man, I'm kind of, I'm all that in a bag of chips. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm good. And you might feel arrogant on that pendulum because you got the approval you were looking for. But in those moments when you don't get the approval that you're looking for, then you're insecure. So if you can isolate what that moment is, you can go into that and figure out how in that moment can I not look for your approval, but I can look for your approval. Does that make sense? And so then what we're going to do this week, for who, I'm going to invite all of us to do this, whoever wants to join, is to go a week to remove the reward from that area. For a week to learn to rely solely upon the reward from God and not the reward from man. This is straight out of this passage in Matthew 6. He says, if you want to learn how to pray the right way, go first start praying by yourself. If you want to learn how to fast the right way, not that you never do it in the public, not that it's wrong to let people know you're fasting, like that's okay, but first learn how to do it without them knowing. Then you can know how to do it the right way. So this week, we're going to learn how to do it the right way. This week, when we're, maybe it means at work, you only let your supervisor know that you're turning it into, and you don't have to let anyone else know what you just accomplished. Maybe it's social media. Maybe on social media, it's, you know what, I'm just going to get off for a week. And I'm going to see when I don't get any likes off of social media, no comments off of social media, how is God liking me enough for my soul? Or maybe it's at church when it's, hey, instead of at the, at the river when you're having that quiet time and your journal's out in the Bible and you're more focused on taking the picture of what it looks like, 
rather, you know what I'm saying? Maybe, you know, I, I'm not going to tell people about all that this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really fight to be seen by the God that it's unseen. Whatever it is for you, it's not one size fits all. But this week, let's fast, let's go without the approval of man in order to live by the approval of God. Amen? So what I'm going to do right now, do, we have, do I have another slide? No, okay. Uh, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to say a prayer, and then similar to last week where we had times praying in groups of two or three or four or five, we're gonna, I'm going to encourage everyone to pray in a little group of people around you, and I'm going to encourage you to pray for God to help redirect your hearts, to learn to get the approval from him and not from man. And let's as a community decide, not just individually, I'm not going to live like the world, but as a community, let's live like the world and as a community, not get the approval from man, but our approval from God. Amen? Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Atlanta as it is in heaven. God, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. God, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So let's spend this time here praying with the people next to you and praying for God to help reorient our hearts to get the approval from him and not from others. Amen.